going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. A proud member of Fantasy Points and the Fantasy Points Media Group. D-Mendy here, joined by a big cheese, the big cheese of draft and holds. That's Art Tornaveni, a.k.a. Little Cheesecake, the LC. LC, how's it going? It's going real well. Getting over some cold, cold weather here in Maryland. My neighbor slipped on the ice out front. Ooh. Been 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 over in his apartment five 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 times a day. You know, helping him out, making sure he's got all the easy can't he can't get up and get around. You so, good uh, neighbor, I'm, you. I'm doing yeah. my neighborly service, you know. Uh, but so it's been a good week. How y'all doing? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. I I knew I knew you were a very good neighbor, Art. I knew you were a good podcast mate. You're just showing all all your true colors tonight. Got to get. You got to do it. I love it. Yeah. Of course, uh, the other end of the spectrum here, we have a man that is the, uh, what do we call it? He's the man of the first touchdown prop bet. It's Eric Mendelson, a.k.a. The Doc. What's going on? <laughs> you know what, David? I'm just mad I didn't bet more on a Tyree Jackson. I got to, you know, I usually poop on you in the beginning, but thank you for that touchdown. Plus 3,800 for a guy that never caught a pass. Just <laughs> bravo, David. Only compliment you're getting from me today. You're welcome. I'm glad I could. You should just put more money on it. Did all my? Did I did all the research? You will reap the benefits. That's all. This is this is. It's a team. I'm I'm the one with the bookie. You're the one with the brains. There you go. Right. Of course, the last member of the normal crew here, the man that now parties with prospects on our YouTube channel. It is Marty Tallman. What's going on, man? Hey, as as always, I'm so excited to be here. I absolutely love our guests, as you can already hear laughing in the background. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and real quick, yeah, so we're doing the um, uh, Christian Crespo and I are we're doing on you, the YouTube channel a prospect show. We're going to break down every single MLB franchise and their top 10 prospects. So make sure you guys are tuning into that because it's been a lot of fun. And Christian, he's been killing it. You both wait, have been wait, killing it. Wait, Marty, what's the name of it? The Call Up. Okay, just yeah. remember for anybody listening. Can we timestamp this? Can yeah, we time, we yeah. timestamped it from three weeks ago. So if you hear another call up series, just know. <laughs> but hey, yo, shout out to our fans who actually did say something. There was another podcast that's calling themselves the call up, um, oh. and they're a prospect podcast. And our fans are right there, like, hey, what about you know the one that's already yeah. going on? So shout yeah. out to you guys. I didn't yeah. know who that was, but he he like actually shouted out. He's like triple play yeah. already has it. Yeah, like, yep. Yeah. But but we don't mention the other company that's doing it. No free PR for them. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but, the time. But I need to. It's been long enough. I got to intro you to our guest here. We welcome in a man that only knows how to bring it one way, and that's yeah. hot and heavy. The creator of his MLB moving averages algorithm. He helps you stack those dollar bills on Twitter, on the Mayo Media Network, and his own YouTube channel, Cork Stats. Ladies and gentlemen, the man with dollar bill signs and graphs as far as the eye can see, the big dude with the big mouth in the big apple, the only person I know that gets me amped up like I just drank an energy drink. It is Big Johnny Stodd, a.k.a. John oh, Legaza, how's it going, man? Yo, man, I am blushing. I'm so happy to be here. And of course, right off the bat, I, the last time I did the whole, you know, lovey-dovey thing, and I was not going to do it this time. And, of course, my man Little Cheese comes out. And a, a, aside from all the money stuff and all the baseball stuff, where do we all get along? And this is the truth. All really good people. When you, I hear stories about that, about helping your neighbor. Dude, I do that. I have carried a grown man with MS who lives in my building up the three steps from time to time. And you know what? These are the things that you do when you don't ask for rewards and you don't ask for it. And the thank you, but you get my thank you. Cause you know, it takes a village 
And to what Marty was talking about with the prospects and taking your village, I will be making sure that I'm listening because for all the stuff that I, I know I'm very good at, prospect work is one of the things I find I have to outsource. So I'll be following you, Marty, because I need to know exactly who to get and where. Because, hey, listen, pro we're going to talk about all the drafting strategies. Prospects is one of the most volatile parts of the market, these huge payoffs. But there's a lot of goose eggs on the other end of that rainbow sometimes. So I'll be looking at you, Marty, over the next couple of weeks for sure. I appreciate that. And, yeah, we'll yeah. be getting the dynasty as well. I don't know if you're dabbling yeah. in that yet. But we'll, no, we'll I, I don't. But, but when you're doing draft and holds, uh, there's almost an element of that. Right, because sure. it's 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 the long game. Yeah, I'm not I'm not thinking about 2023, but I am thinking about September and October, right? And kind of doing the calculus of complementary or corollary plays, you know, plays that correlate together. So yeah, I'm with you 100. percent I'm going to be all over that. Uh, like I said, it's been a hole in my game, and sometimes, you know, reaching for the shiniest guy at the highest cost is not where you want to be. But you know what? It's, I think it's good that people are like, hey, I don't know everything. There's definitely yeah. plenty. I don't know that that little cheesecake doesn't know, Doc, of yes. course. Like, so I, I think it's really cool because it's it's like, hey, like we're always learning from one another, like horse yeah. pitching, you're listening. The pitcher list guys are awesome. And yeah. and you know, like Curlin is is a good hitting genius. He's really studies hitting. So I think it's really good to use your resources that's out there yeah. to make you a better overall fantasy player. But John, I'm, I'm pumped to have you tonight. I'm gonna ask you, of course, at the end all the great stuff that you're doing. I want you to plug that and I want you to say everything that's great, but I, I do want to kind of dump in because I want your knowledge. Let's do tonight's it. Show. We got to have everything that you have because tonight we've got drafting in points leagues versus Roto leagues. So yeah. in honor of big Johnny stud, I want to talk about some studs in each of these formats and how they're different and how their value is different in each of these different leagues here. So it can be very tough for the casual fantasy player to not know the difference in drafting points leagues versus Roto. So if you're entering a new format this year, guess what? We got your back, and we're going to help you out today. Besides that, of course, we got our question of the week coming in in the bullpen here. If there was a baseball version of Space Jam, who would oh, be yeah. the main star <laughs> on the Toon Squad, and which former current players would be the Monstars, and our game of the week coming in to shut the door? So if you guys are ready to get this another episode started, then let's get this thing rolling, and let's roll into these headlines, starting off with... The Yankees officially introducing Rachel Balkovic as the manager of their low A affiliate, the Tampa Tarpons. I didn't actually hadn't heard of the Tampa Tarpons until this announcement, but the significance of this is she's going to be the first ever female manager in the minor leagues. And she's been working with the Yankees in, since 2019 as a hitting coach. If you actually haven't seen her, she's pretty built. Like she's a, she's really like she swims. She does weights. Like she's a very built person. She's worked at strength and conditioning and, uh, I think this is a great move, just obviously for the the obvious that just having a, a woman do this to kind of step forward in that role. But I think it's going to be really good, just good for baseball in general to to watch this progression as it's been going here. LC, this was good because we were in our group chat talking about some good mm -hmm. headlines for this week. You brought this one up right away. What were your thoughts on this? Uh, well, she there are now I think ten women in 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 coaching roles that are not like uh, strength and conditioning coaching roles in Major League Baseball, and that number can, is going to keep going up. You know, we got Kim Ang, Hellman, the Miami Marlins, and now we have a manager at the at the, at the minor league level. Um, and you know, there's no reason there's no reason you have to be a dude or uh, to 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 manage to coach these people. All you know, it's knowledge, and if you're committed to the game you know, we should be given the best people opportunities. And this is just, you know, the best people are getting opportunities now. This is not, you know, this is not a PR hire. She was the best person for the job. No, a hundred percent. 
she really was. And I think it's all about relatability too, especially with how the players are in today's day and age. They don't want somebody that they can't relate to. They want somebody that feels like they know them, that they can trust, that they're going to work with. And if you want, if you ever have seen her do interviews or you kind of, there's like a special, uh, I think ESPN did on her before. She seems like a very easy kind of workable person to, uh, to, for that job. And I'm pumped to see her succeed. Now, I just want to say one thing, like it is a different sport, but like an NFL, like David Coley, the Texans coach got fired after one season. It was an experiment. Like teams do all these experiments all the time where it's a one or two year, you know, prove it. All right, let's see what they can do. Like there's no reason why women shouldn't have had these opportunities prior. Yeah, no, I agree. And we're slowly getting in that way, which it, it should have been a long time ago. Now, this next subject, I got to go to Big Johnny Stud here because you we were talking about a little bit about it. Wait, wait, wait. Can, can I just shout out one for the, the one thing? Because I, yeah. I, I have a few years on you guys, but yes. I also have a little daughter that I absolutely adore. My Victoria is my whole world. And she, you know, is starting to show some interest in watching games. You know, I have baseball and football and whatever. And to be able to show her that, because one thing she has asked is she asked me if girls could play football. And I said, well, right now, maybe we got you to kick it sick from 65. You have a chance. But outside of that, no. And it, it hurts to think like when she says, well, why? And it, it hurts to think that there are opportunities closed. So you guys really, you you nailed it. It's about time. It's it, We're late already to that party. But similar to what Doc is saying, man, I hope we hold her accountable also, right? We shouldn't let anybody do a poor job. And mm-hmm. I think, I believe it or not, I think getting rid of her, if she does a poor job, let's say in a couple of years, given a full opportunity, I think is even more of a show of, of equality, right? They know that, like you said, it's not, it's not a, sh- a, a show. It's not a pony show. It's not here for, for jokes or clicks or anything like that. We're here to win. And that's the best avenue to do it. And if it is no longer that, then we should go another way. But that was the only thing I wanted to do. Cause as I'm getting a little bit older and my daughter begins to understand, it really means a lot to me to convey to her that she can do this. Like, that, I'll give you a uh, long story short. Her teacher asked her what her daddy does for work. And she didn't really know because I guess I really do a weird job. So she said, my daddy does math and baseball. And she's right. But at the same time, then she asked me if she could. And I was like, well, you could be an analyst. She asked me if she could play and be involved. And it was no, but now we're seeing the answer become yes. So I'm just really glad that it's a case. And I'm especially proud of my Yankees. And you know, it doesn't matter. I have no, you know, I have no stake there. No, I, again, it's like you guys all said, it's it's a great progression. Hopefully, we're going to see more of it. Uh, Big Johnny said, I got to stay with you because you were talking about it before the show. The Orioles are changing their ballpark dimensions to finally <laughs> favor a little bit more some pitchers here. The left field wall from the foul pole to the bullpen area in the left center field is going to be roughly 30 feet back and right. elevated to around 12 feet high from its current height of 7 feet. And it's expected to be done by opening day. It's actually the first notable changes to the dimensions in 20 seasons. And actually, as, as I want to note, Nathan Ruiz of the Baltimore Sun put that Camden Yards has allowed the most home runs of any ballpark in the majors yeah. since 92. So it's it's pretty wild in that sense. I think it's probably a mix that pitchers have just had enough of uh, yeah, you know, yeah. giving up home runs. And, and they're trying to maybe bring in some free agents that are scared to come into Camden Yards because of the effect that it does to pitchers and their numbers. Do you like this done by the Orioles, or do you think that they should have kept it how it was? Well, listen, I'm going to tell the people the same thing I was telling you before. I mean, to me, it just feels very desperate. I would be looking to get better pitchers, you know, rather than having to move the dimensions. Like that's, you know, pitchers have succeeded there. Hitters have failed there and succeeded there. I I, I don't know. I, well, I know what I, I know people are going to look for actionable stuff is 
yes, I do think you have to keep it in mind when looking at, especially it was weird. The Orioles have a, a strong young core of right-handed hitters, right? So that's Mountcastle, um, Hayes. Oh gosh. And I'm oh, Mancini also. Is mm-hmm. back, right? right. So is that righty, righty, righty. So that is a, a little concerning if we're looking for all those home runs we were expecting from. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm a little higher than Mancini on the field. I think projections had him for 25. I was up near 30 anyway. So maybe we split the difference there and go 28. I was telling you guys what people are going to do in trying to galaxy brain this is break out baseball savant, find out exactly how many fly balls landed in that little area, and try and deduct that. It doesn't work that way. Don't do that. Don't do that. Well, you should keep in mind that it's been moved. I'm curious to see if the projection systems move. So, again, we mentioned outsourcing work. I don't claim to know how to calculate it, but I do know I can get myself in trouble doing it myself, and I do know I should be asking people smarter than me. So I'm going to wait a couple weeks, and I'm going to see if Jeff Zimmerman or Derek Hardy or these people move the projections. And mm-hmm. if they move the projections, mm-hmm. then that's all you have to do. You're subtracting one or two. That's all it's going to be. People don't. If you're looking for this big, like, Jordan Lyles Cy Young season, like, that's not happening, right? It's just not happening. And if you like Mancini like I already did, it's not going to push me off Mancini. I already like the talent and the man and the story and all the profile parts. So, whatever. This to me just stinks of desperation. Go get better pitchers. You know? Marty, anything you'd like to add to it? What are your thoughts? I mean, yeah, I, I can pretty much just echo what John's saying. And I, now, from what I read and what I understand, that it's up to 30 feet. And so they haven't made the final decision whether that's going to be 12, 15, maybe the full 30. So we'll kind of see, you know, where the, the chips fall there. And I think that's when the projections are going to take a huge hit. So, yeah, we're all just in a wait and hold. It's, it's fun to talk about. we got nothing else to talk about. It's mm-hmm. I think <laughs> going back to the 1992 stat, I think it's funny because number one, a lot of ballparks have just opened up that weren't there then. And then you go back to the nineties Yankees and it's just, that's a funny stat, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what the Orioles do. I just hope they yeah. focus on, you know, building a contender. All right. Last bit of news. We'll get to real quick here that uh, John Lester has announced his retirement after 16 years, one of the league's most reliable hurlers over the last decade. He leaves a fantastic legacy tossing, 2,740 innings over 16 MLB seasons, 366 ERA, won 200 games and struck out just under 2,500 batters, five-time All-Star, won three World Series across two separate franchises, of course, a little cheesecake with his Cubs and then the Red Sox. A little cheesecake, why don't you just say one thing about what will you remember most about John Lester since he was, played for your team, none of our teams? We well, well, Lester overcame cancer. To mm-hmm. come back and uh, and become that pitcher that that happened really early in his career. So the guy's just the guy's a the guy's a fighter, and he always was a fighter on the mound. Um, I remember he had a problem throwing the ball to first base for years and years, and so he became really, really, really good at not letting people get on first base. Like he would really just try to keep people off first base. Um, the 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 guy is the type of pitcher that you want on the mound when when it's a big game because he's going to give you every single ounce that he has. Uh, I loved watching him pitch. I love having him on the Cubs. I even I even liked him when he was on the Red Sox. Yeah, I, again, I I think the I didn't have the exact quote, but he pretty much was like, "I'd rather end it on my terms, hand them my jersey rather than them basically say I need to retire." So I respect that about him. Get a great career. And it'll be interesting. He might be one of those guys that just borderlines the Hall of Fame. I don't know if he'll 
necessarily get in or not, but again, a, a great, great career. Uh, on that note, before we get started into the main topic of the show, remember, if you enjoy the content of Triple Play Fantasy and want to hear more of what we got, make sure you check out all the great things on the Triple Play Fantasy Network. We've got podcasts in baseball, basketball, and football. Tons of great content on the YouTube channel. You can see us talking about sandwiches with Eno Saris. Watch Marty and Christian talk about the Evil Empire's prospects. Have a video today about a Bobby Witt Jr. debate we did with uh, Paul Spore, which was good. TripleplayFantasy.com. Bunch of great articles on the website. And then, of course, just announced today, just prior before the show, if you're interested in playing with us or just a bunch of great fantasy baseball analysts that are going to be in a league that we created, we have the Triple Players Ball. And I hope you are watching on YouTube because we have a great graphic for it. It's a DC, which is basically a DC 50, which is you just draft 50 players. There's no free agency or waiver wire. You just every week set your lineup from the 50 players. So it's not too much maintenance to do. It's fun. We're going to have an overall winner. Hopefully we'll have 30 to 45 people, two to three leagues. It's going to be a blast. So if that interests you, make sure you DM the account at Trip Play Fantasy on Twitter, or you can DM me at DigiMendio2, or you can email us at TripPlayFantasy at gmail.com. We'll get you in. It's going to be fun. Make sure you don't miss out. All right. Enough talking. Let's get into the good stuff. Drafting in points leagues versus roto leagues. There's some rules and strategies we have to go over besides players that benefit in each format. Again, very important for if you're looking to switch different formats for the first time. The first golden rule I thought we should talk about is strikeouts. And specifically, do strikeouts matter in points leagues, but not as much in roto leagues? I'm interested to hear what your guys' thoughts are on this. Uh, is this something that people need to take into account? Let's start with you, uh, Mr. Big Johnny Stud. Um, you know what? I think the easy answer would be to say they're more valuable in points leagues because the scoring is immediate, right? You know, Sunday it, we refresh, we get a win or we get a loss. But having now having, you know, seasons of high stakes roto under my belt and realizing that almost every single year, you come down to not only the last day, but the last game, sometimes the last inning, and furthermore, the last plate appearance. So you cannot undersell the importance of every single strikeout. And if we get into format a little bit further, you know, for the people like myself, like, I, you know, like everybody here, I started with home leagues, you move up to public leagues, and then you find your way maybe into NFPC circles, right? And you, you really got to be careful there in those NFPC circles because – the average player in NFPC is very sharp, right? It doesn't mean only good players are there and good anybody not there is not good. But the average player in NFPC is extremely sharp because they understand the format and they're maximizing innings pitch to get all those strikeouts. So every single strikeout matters. A, a strikeout in April is going to come back and bite you in October, you know, if you make a wrong decision. So, no, they're equally as important. They're absolutely paramount. Strikeouts are, are A number one for pitching, really, yeah. Doc, I'd like to have you jump in as well, because I know you are a, more of a points leagues player than a roto player. What are your thoughts? Because I know you run a, a points league that you're a commissioner of. What are your thoughts about how they might differ between the two? Yeah, I mean, I, to touch on John's point, I think strikeouts matter a lot more in points leagues. You know, if you think of someone like Miguel Sano, Ian Happ, Keston Hera, you know, those guys can easily have an 0 for 4 with 4 strikeout day. And that minus 4 is, is crucial. And you know, you look at their points over the week, like they could end up with negative points. If Miguel Sano goes one for four with three strikeouts yeah. and he hits a solo home run and he gets you three points, I mean, is that really worth it? So 
I just like it better because I think it it reflects the player's actual value. And and we'll yeah. get into stolen bases next, and I don't want to foreshadow it, but I think when you focus on a certain category, it inflates it if, if somebody is really good at one thing. I think points factors in all kind of dimensions of a player um, and kind of reflects their value more. Yeah, and touching on that, you know, again, when you're looking at as you get more advanced, you can look at stuff like K over BB as far as pitcher's effectiveness and, you know, guys that you're going to draft too. Uh, I think that can translate over to both formats as Joe points out there. And again, it's strikeouts. Like I know, like John mentioned, they're going to matter in both leagues. It's just going to be a question of if they matter a little bit more in one to you, or if they don't in the other. But I think at the end of the day, like doc, you mentioned that strikeouts, if you're a hitter, uh, that minus four is going to be a lot different because in Roto, it's a lot more based off average. So if they strike out or if they just ground out, it's going to be the same. It's going to negatively affect their average the same way. So that's what kind of matters there. I want to get to the next one that we have and staying with obviously another S word stolen bases. Do they matter more <laughs> in Roto leagues <laughs> than they do in points leagues? And, uh, I'm going to Marty, I'm gonna have you go here. I know you're a big Roto guy. Yeah. So why don't you talk about that? You gave me the easy one. There is absolutely no doubt. It's a, the steals are way more important in Roto leagues. It is 10%. <laughs> of all stats. It is extremely important. It's the reason why Alberto Mondesi is being taken always in the fifth round or less um, as compared to almost <laughs> almost being almost not draftable in a, in a points league. Yeah, no, I mean, he's, he'll just slip to the double-digit rounds in the past. I, I know I've seen in points leagues because if he, the stolen bases don't matter, what is he giving you in points leagues? Uh, it, it's, you know, I agree. Cheesecake, anything you would like to add with that as well? I just I think that you know something that points leagues have is that they have many different ways that they calculate points. Certainly, some points league, and this is the the old adage to know your league rules. Some leagues try to to give the stolen base a little bit extra juice, so they make it a one and a half point or a two point instead of just one point. Therefore, someone you know um, they they're not as negligible, like equal to hitting a single. As in most points leagues, like, so if you're in a league, you got to watch if your league goes three points per stolen base, then all of a sudden, you know, Adalberto Mondesi does come back into the picture as being like someone who might be worth it. So, but otherwise, like, really, it's not something you would even consider, not in the first round, not in the second, not in the third. You don't even have to consider it. Just look at what they're doing. K, K to walk is a big way to look at it. No, I like that. A good way to, to reference the the comment from before as well. I want to go to now one that's maybe not quite as obvious. And Johnny Stud, I got to get, I'm going back to you because this one, I feel like it could go in different directions. Should starting pitching be pushed up more in points leagues than in Roto? What do you think? Okay. Well, man, first I got to go quick on the K thing again. I don't, I was thinking of pitcher strikeouts where I totally stick to what I said. And for hitters. Yeah. I I didn't think, I don't know why I didn't even think of hitter, hitter strikeouts. Yeah. There is something we could get to that. I think, Hitter strikeouts absolutely matter. You need an OPS to deflate that because, you know, the point leagues, like your guys are saying, the currency in point leagues are generally bases. And if you're going to lose points for strikeouts, a high enough OPS can get you around the negative for that. So strikeouts definitely matter, and they must be circumvented by a high OPS for hitters. Um, Let's see. um, what 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 was the new question? If starting pitching should be pushed up right. in points oh, leagues more than run. Absolutely. Yeah, you know what? Um, 
I think the first one goes to what Cheese was saying. And you have to know your league. I have only played in 12 team point leagues. And the reason I say that is because then if, if you're in a 12 team league, the answer for pitching in point leagues is a definitive yes. There are not many of those pitchers that can give you the unique combination of distance and strikeouts, right? Because you get points per out and points per K. And then sometimes you get wins and quality starts, whatever. And, you know, and that's when you get off into the weeds. But generally, you're being rewarded for those bonuses. So the, the fact that there's only, I mean, off the top of my head, I haven't counted, but I don't, gosh, less than 24, right? Less than two SPs worth of guys that you could rely on, let's say, to give you six steady but at least a K per nine, there aren't many of those guys. And to expand on it, the reason why everyone is because of the disproportionate calendar, the way the calendar hits differently in point leagues. It's just what it is. A starter can go two times. So if the points are set up in a way that a starter can be on par with a hitter for a week, give the starter a second start. And it's really not fair, right? It's not fair. And a lot of us who have played head-to-head know that can be the bane of our existence come the playoffs where you can have the better team, but if you're up against somebody who has 10 starts opposed to your five, you're going to have a hard time catching up. It's just part of the game. So all of that being said is not only why you need to put your pitchers up, I usually try and overshoot my rotation by mm. at least an arm or two because in a 12-team league, I'll stream bats all year long. Just I'll stream I'll, – and you know, when I say stream, people sometimes think it means one and done. No, you might stream. Some guys are going to stick, right? You know, you you might be pick up someone else's trash. You end up catching them on an, on an upswing. And again, people, you always want to be thinking of things in a sine wave, right? So if you bought something low, the I again, this is not definitive, but I usually have it in about two to three weeks. A player produces about two to three weeks, and then you kind of come back down. And you know, different players have different bandwidths or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you're going to jump in. I'm going to I'm streaming hitters because I'm looking to get on those waves. And then once I see it, I'm just move on to the next one. If you hang out with guys like you guys at triple play and you're around 15 team leagues, what that will do for your 12 team game is really take you to the mm-hmm. next level. Because you look at that waiver list and you go, oh, this guy's available. Lane, Lane Thomas is available. Like a guy you might not really care about. Otherwise, you know, all of a sudden is, is, is viable. Right. So right. Those are the kind of guys, Lane Thomas or Connor Joe on the Rockies. If the Rockies are going to be home for the week, geez, Connor Joe all of a sudden is, a, is an outfielder too. And he might be sitting on your waiver wire. So there are, or you're going to Baltimore, right. With this tons of, home runs and bad pitching. So streaming for hitting in 12-team leagues especially, I think you can get around because, remember, right, some guys are only going to have five games, some guys are going to have seven. I always focus on those pitcher opportunities where I might even take six starters out of the box, you know, only needing five because I want the double start because I think that's how you win. No, 100%. I like how you touched both sides of the ball on that one. Like yeah. pushing pitchers up in points leagues because you get the, the quantity that they have. Like you said, the elite yep. starting pitchers, they get the distance, they get the strikeouts. But then also the fact that if you get those elite starting pitchers, you can stream hitting a lot better in points leagues. And you can basically, yeah, you can get those hot stretches, the Connor Joes and the Lane Thomases. And, you know, even, like those types of guys that you might see that are, are hot at a specific time or have a, a good location that they're going to play at. I, I think on all points, you definitely hit those well. Doc, again, as a, a big points league player, is there anything that you feel like you'd like to add? As far no, as- I mean, you know, when you lead off with Johnny and he makes all these great points, there's very little you can add. I will say starting pitching is volatile in points leagues. It can serve you very well where, you know, somebody can, you know, give you 30 points. But if they blow up a la Tyler Anderson against 
uh, <laughs> the Angels, where he can really get you negative and derail it. But I will say, to touch on his point about going the distance, if somebody gives you five innings, three hits with one earned and two K and gets the win, that's going to help your ratio in uh, in a roto league because you know obviously good whip they get the win and they get some innings. That's not going to give you the upside that somebody that might be able to throw a complete game can go. So I, I really do think that, like he said, you need to attack that starting pitching early. You need to get at least one ace, you know, and I know that there's very few quote unquote aces, but if you can lock in one or two guys where you, you don't have to worry about streaming or, you know, if they have two starts, then you're set, you know, you don't have to worry about them going bad matchups. So um, I agree with him on that, and I know that's our strategy, David, at least you and I, as we try to get pitching early. Yeah, you get pitching early, and, and then Johnny touched a lot of those. And again, also, like Joe mentions here, better to have pitchers you trust than you stream, and then a Tyler Anderson gives you a negative 28, right? So, I mean, <laughs> it, are you guys, are you a two-start streamer? I'm going to be honest, to me, that's... That's the sign of a novice player in head-to-head. Somebody that yeah. two stream that two starts where I'm the guy I take my quality one over the iffy two all the time. And those two starts, I, I find they really are more of a disservice than anything. Because like like Doc's saying, if you don't get the production in start number one, now you have a one start guy that's not any good, right? But you got you not say fooled, but you got lured, right? The carrot was hanging on the stick. You said, "Wow, if I get <laughs> I could get twenty on Monday, and I could get twenty on Sunday, and I got forty. But if Anderson only goes out and gives you three, right? Let's say he's just okay. He goes four and two thirds, gives up one or two, couple strikeouts, not really anything. Now all of a sudden you have Anderson for one. And that's not what you wanted. So mm-hmm. I focus on quality, not quantity. When the schedule hands you the quantity, then by all means you take it. But that's why I stress the volume of pitchers up front because that will open the door to the quantity of quality. We don't just want quantity. I'm telling you, and the reason I say this, not to lecture anybody, I made that mistake. I thought I could just stream two star guys. It's a disaster. It is an absolute unmitigated John, disaster most of the time. Let me ask you this. What about, yeah. you know, let's say you're in July or worse, August, right? And you need to make up in wins. You need to make up in Ks and you have to stream. I mean, that's the only time I find myself having to do that. In Roto. You, We're talking about Roto? Roto, of course. Yeah. Do you stay steady yeah. in Roto or what, what do you do? Well, I case? think the back the my back door as of recently, again. Being malleable, always at the fore of being successful, especially when you're surrounded by so many smart people, right? It's a copycat league, but then we have to be know when to pivot from that. I've been going towards high-impact relievers in that case because mm. uh, we always need saves. And nowadays, they a guy like – I don't know. Gosh, I wish I was more prepared. I don't know. Darwin's in on Boston or Aaron Bummer on Chicago or uh, Kendall Graveman. I'm just thinking about high-impact relievers that are not necessarily save guys. You start him for a week. Guy could walk into two wins, a save, six Chad games. Green. You know, yeah, sure, sure, uh, sure. You know, we we don't know how uh, ball games are going to play out. Um, a closer could get three opportunities in a row where he can't go the third day, and now your guy gets a chance at the win and the save and all that stuff. I just would rather have a quality reliever than a bum starting twice. In, and it, again, I hope it's not to toot my own horn, but a lot of my the progression in my own career, and everybody has to follow their own path, right? We talked about knowing what you're good at, what you enjoy doing. And my thing is really breaking down these pitching arsenals, like really getting into the nuts and bolts of what makes pitchers good. 
And once I see loose bolts and thick wires disconnected, I have a hard time getting behind it. So I'd rather get with a a, clo- uh, a reliever, let's say, that has a full arsenal with three pitches with a sub 400x slug with a better than 32% whiff rate opposed to a pitcher that I'm just hoping is not going to get wrecked on Monday because that's another one. People think, oh, look, it's the Pirates. That means nothing. That means absolutely nothing. The Pirates win 65 games every single year, and your guy's name is going to be on one of those if you're not careful. It's the truth, right? Right. No, 100%. Yep. Uh, uh, I do want to go now to – we'll still talk pitching. Let's talk. Let's get into an interesting topic here. Let's talk closers. Are closers more valuable in Roto than they are in points leagues? And uh, Cheesecake, I'll start with you up top. What do you think? If I'm in a Roto league, I'm coming from a points league, should I expect closers to be pushed up? Yeah, you should expect closers to be pushed up in Roto. And if you're dra- if you're used to drafting Roto, you should push closers down. Because um, the it, let's say you have a daily moves points league. You can, you can jump on the waiver wire and be the first one on the new option really, really easily in a daily moves league. That's one thing you have to consider. But the other thing you have to consider that is in a points league, you know, uh, you draft a closer, there's only going to be, you know, a handful of closers that gets you 20 saves that you're going to hold on to for the entire season. Whereas in Roto, you need to get, you need, if you get a guy who has the job for a month and gets seven saves, that's seven saves that you needed. Whereas in a, in a points league, you have a guy who gets seven saves in the first month that might not be worth it because the seven saves came with, you know, one or two blowups that cost you a week or something like that. So uh, I think you, you, you should definitely push down your pitching in points league, uh, your, your closers in points league, and you got to be prepared. You got to be prepared to foot the bill in Roto leagues. Marty, again, avid Roto league player. I think it's kind of at this point, we know we're probably pushing them up in Roto. How high are you pushing up your closers in Roto? What, what ground do you feel comfortable taking closers as high as the second round? No. So just a little bit of frame of reference. So Liam Hendricks right now is currently at an ADP of 35. So if you're playing in a 15 team league, you know, you're looking at about third round, you know, middle of the third round ish. It's too early for me. Um, I want a top five closer. So a Chapman, you know, falling down to the fifth, sixth round, you know, I'm more in that space. That's where I feel comfortable. And I think, and this is a, I think this is something a lot of us need to do is really study the bulletins of every single organization and take your um, take all of your shots at the second guy in line and just line that up maybe with your 27th, 28th, 29th pick and hope you hit one of those guys because there's going to there's be 10 relief guys who get you 15, 20 saves. You may not even know their name, you know, right going into the season. So just that that's part of it. I think getting a high-end guy in the fifth, seventh round, starting around there, and then building at the back end on a, a high upside guy who's maybe not in that role, but he will be a closer by the end of the year. No, that's a, that's a good point, Dad. You got to stay active. Look at these bullpens. There's some great resources out there. Greg Jewett is known as the the uh, relief pitcher whisperer, always putting out stuff. Uh, he sends out emails where he kind of gives you the updates on on the closer charts. MLB.com, I know, has like the next in line to like, there's a lot of resources out there. And real um, quick, I'm going to plug our own Matt Goodwin. He did a really good job of, mm-hmm. um, he has five relief pitchers that are maybe second or third in line for like a draft and hold setting. That would be perfect. So go on the triple play website and check that out. Great plug there, Marty. That That's professional. right there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And uh, again, like Joe points out also, if you're just keep it with the league format. So if you are in a points league, 
I think normally it's just the normal settings saves are worth nine, if I'm not mistaken. Or no, I'm sorry, where they're worth like five, I think. Five. I think they're worth five. If if you have, you're in a league that saves are worth ten, then you're talking a different thing as far as how maybe you're pushing up closers. So uh, just keep an eye on what your league format is and, and for that setting. The last ones we're just going to get to, I'm going to uh, we'll run through these a little quicker. Catchers being Wait, less relevant. Call on me, call on me, call on me, call on me. Oh, okay. <laughs> because the, right, the big one, we are talking point league. We're talking different formats. And right. uh, Chi said, read the rules. Doc said, pay attention. And where that applies to point leagues, or I have found, is a lot of times there are sparps. And if people aren't familiar, that's starting pitchers as relief pitchers or starting pitcher and relief pitcher. And what I'm getting at is sites have a hard time delineating sometimes between players that either have adjusted or new roles. So here is one of my favorite tips to break your point league for everybody at home to break your point league. You go, I play on CBS, one of the more popular point league platforms, mm -hmm. but you go open up the platform, look at next year's projections, go under relievers and then click game started. And for example, here is a list of players that are relievers. I'm doing air quotes for the audio people, but they will be starters and you'll be able to start them out of your reliever um, spot. So I see Taylor Hearn, Alec Mills, Randy Dobnak, Jose Quintana, Zach Thompson, Colin McHugh, Colby Allard. Let's see, uh, Garrett Richards. You know, it gets a little hairy near Jimmy Nelson, Trevor Richards, Denelson Lamette. Maybe you get something there. Caleb Smith, Michael Lorenzen, Jacob Junas. And it kind of goes through there. You know, guys are not great. Dalton Jeffries and stuff like that. But the, the, the point was um, Bailey Falter. You know, so there's a couple guys that you may at some point this year be looking to start. And those guys, if there are any, I didn't really name any that I love. Sometimes coming into a year, there mm -hmm. happen to be guys, you know, that that really check that box. Make sure you check that because you may find you have a starting pitching target that's also RP eligible. Make sure that you get that person. You know, you push him up wherever you have to push him up to. Mm -hmm. You just add him into the rotation, right? You just uh, that's when I talked about overshooting my rotational spots. If I have five and there's a starter that I a reliever I like, that's six, I'm going for seven. And I'm going to look to work that pitcher into either the bullpen or the rotation. Again, it's all about maximizing two start weeks with people you believe in. That's really the name of the – that's just the name of the game. Get all, as many good pitchers as you can because the guy streaming will be a step behind you. You know, And that spark thing really does work because, uh, again – Man, bad closers can get you stung. And cheese is right. You, if you're if you're savvy, you can, you know, get the next guy up. I like to look at performance though because I'm thinking of like a Kyle Finnegan. So mm -hmm. if you had a Kyle Finnegan last year, it didn't matter. I don't even know if he got your points with all the saves he got at the end of the year because he's giving up three home three run bombs every other day. You know, so a guy, you know, some closers happen to hold on to their job even though they're getting beat around. So you got to be careful, right? It's funny relievers are so format dependent. I am paying through my nose for relievers right now because, and again, I'm not, it's not to discount what Marty was saying because he is correct. There will be saves available and we won't know who they are. That's my problem though. I don't know who they are. So I don't want to start. I don't want to start throwing darts at potential zeros where I know you have to hold your nose and eat the draft capital. But if you grab two legitimate closers, I understand they're going to be going in the first six rounds, and that is enough to make you nauseous. But if both of those guys give you a pop at 20 to 25, those 40 to 45, 50 saves, maybe more, is going to be worth at 
least eight or nine SGP, right? It's going to be worth a nine in the standings. And then while you're taking, and not to pick on anybody, while your other players are taking six, seven, eight stabs at potential zeros, I'm stacking plate appearances and innings pitch. Stacking, stacking, stacking. No rookies, no prospects. Everybody's on a 40-man roster. Like, I came to win the overall this year. You know, in those draft champions leagues, they're extremely difficult. You know, so I'm not saying that I'm right and you're wrong. It is different. But what you need to do is map out those players, right? What Marty's saying, Marty is correct if you do the work. Don't just go into the room and say, well, I'm going to figure it out on the fly. Because the guy that you had in your head is gone six rounds earlier than you were ready for it. And then you become reactive opposed to being proactive sometimes. And that's how you get in trouble in a draft room. You know, we're here talking about theory, right? So that's always at the core of it for me is, you know, man, I don't want to spend the draft capital, but I'm saving emotional capital, if that makes sense. It's it's a give and take, you know? I love it. I'm just sipping on that knowledge. All that knowledge he's spit into you guys. I'm just sipping on it right now. That's that's some good knowledge. We're going to uh, close this out here because I think John did a great job of covering a couple of things we were going to cover as far as streaming and quantity over quality and what your sides are on as far as for that. So the last little bit we're going to get to before we talk about specific players that we might target in different formats is catchers. And if there's any difference between the relevancy and points leagues over Roto, also if you play in a points league or Roto, do you are you in favor of people not playing catchers to basically take a zero at that position and stack up at other if they want to add an extra pitcher or if they want to have a, another outfielder, you know, whatever they want to do? Doc, I want to go to you first here. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I definitely think that they are less relevant. I, I mean, in Roto, it's kind of its own category. So if you can get like a Dalton Varsho, somebody that has dual eligibility and will give you some steals, I mean, that definitely gives you kind of a competitive advantage. But for most catchers, I mean, they're, you know, even the Gary Sanchez's that are going to provide some power, they're going to strike out a lot. You know, they're, they're used, I think, more, we see more defensive catchers or ones that are, you know, hitting lower in the lineup, seventh, eighth. I mean, if you get a JT Real Muto um, or a Will Smith or a Salvador Perez, that's going to give you a little bit of an advantage, but you never know who it's going to be each year. And we thought, you know, JTR in the third round last year was as safe as it gets. And then Salvador Perez, who's picked in the double-digit rounds, has 48 home runs. So once again, in points leagues too, you know, you're not banking on a lot of pop from catchers. You're probably banking on a, a big K rate from a lot of them. So I, I'm definitely with you that they're less relevant in, in my favorite type of leagues. Yeah, I think it's interesting because in points leagues, I pretty much don't draft catchers, and I pretty much will leave that spot empty. And what I'll do is I, I'm like, I'm not going to reach and take, you know, JTR. I'm not going to take Salvador Perez. And once you get to like that fourth, fifth, sixth range, it's like the 12th catcher is not going to be too far off. And at that point, you know, I was like, if I need to stream a catcher, I will. Like, you know, like, you know, Johnny mentioned, if like, hey, uh, this team is going to cores for the next three or four games. And I, I want to go ahead and pick up a catcher for that team. Like, I'll go do it. And, you know, or it's like, you know what? I, I have 10 starts this week. And there's a good pitcher on the, the free agent wire that's going against the Royals that has, you know, averaging, you know, nine Ks per you know, nine, 10 Ks per nine. I think he's going to have a good game. I'll stash him as an extra pitcher, leave that catcher open because, you know, if, if that pitcher gives me 20, 25 points, catcher's not giving that, those, that, that quality to me that, so I kind of like that for points leagues. 
I was going to say, I, that's very Roto of you. You're taking a nice well, Roto strategy to point well, things. I, I appreciate I, that. I, I just wanted to hop in and say one more thing. Catchers don't really play every day. Like in the AL, they'll DH, but an, an, L, an NL catcher might play. Well, they might be the, know, the everyday DH now. Oh, I'm just saying, you know, looking at, at things in the past, and I'm not even yeah. going to jump towards because MLB isn't even close to proposing anything. But catchers might play every two out of three days or three out of four. So they're not going to have an everyday role like a position player in the field might. So you can, t- you know, you could rotate someone that's just in the lineup and they go one for three and hit a home run. And then you drop them the next day because they're out of the lineup and pick up somebody else that is. It's the yeah, most no. replaceable position, in my opinion. No, I agree. Uh, and again, some people like to do it where they just take guys late. You know, the Jacob Stallings or the uh, the Elise Diaz's, like those guys later on in drafts. And they're just like, hey, you know what? They're their team starting catchers. You know, they're not bad players. They'll, you know, they'll play, you know, five days a week. And as long as they don't crush me, like I'll just take those guys, take my two catchers later on and do something like that. So there's a lot of different strategies that come to catchers, but I want to get into the last thing we're going to do here before we get to our question in game of the week. And that's going to be players that are valuable in, in different formats. Yeah. Uh, and again, there's, there's guys out there that you may not think so, but it, it's true. And you know, some guy, the first guy that came to my mind was Wander Franco and we'll talk about a couple of different players, but someone like him who strikes out as little as he does for points league. So he's not going to, there's not going to be too many days. He gives you negative points, but again, at the same time, there's not something he does incredibly well where you're going to be like, Hey, you know, again, stolen bases don't matter in points league. So he'll give you some steals. He's going to hit, you know, an okay average. He's going to maybe hit you like 25 bombs. You know, there's nothing that he's like, Oh my God, I got to have him. But the value of him in a points league is that, the date he's not going to strike out a lot, and that's that's a big thing in points leagues. Alex Bregman's another one of those guys that's going to be like, hey, you know what? Maybe there's not going to be the the you know 15 point days, but it's going to be you know five, six, four, six, eight. It's going to be those consistent where he's going to be giving you week after week of just good consistent production, not taking away points from you. Uh, I'm going to go around the horn here. If there's just any player or two that you would like to add, of someone that. What, whichever format that you want to talk about. Uh, LC, why don't we start with you and we'll go around the horn. Oh boy, how do I pick my favorite one? I'm gonna. I'm just going to start by saying that I think that um, if you look at a draft list and you start seeing guys like Tatis and Turner at the top, that is a roto list. That is not a points list. Those guys are less valuable. They're still first round picks probably, probably, but you should not be looking at guys like Turner or Tatis as your top overall pick in a points league. I think that's one thing I want to get clear. Okay. No, that's a good point. Again, the stolen bases that they give you is yeah. why in Roto, yeah. you'll see them pushed up to the top as much as they are. The Jose Ramirez is another example, right? Jose well, Ramirez. Ramirez is K, K minus walks are really good actually. So Ramirez is still really valuable, but like if you go to Tatis, Tatis struck out 91 more times than he walked last season. Uh, and Turner struck out 69 more times than he walked last season. So Turner was actually the 10th most valuable points league hitter. Whereas, so the stolen bases don't really give him that boost that he gets in Roto. So make sure when you're looking at your list, if you're seeing guys at the top like Tatis and Turner, that this is a Roto list. You're going to have to reorder the wrist list for your league, your points league. I like that. Doc, what about you? Well, it's crazy because Art didn't name his favorite player who he always takes in our league, and that's Carlos Santana. I mean, the guy's, <laughs> a, the guy's an on-base machine. He'll yeah, go yeah. 0, 
He'll go 0 for 1 with three walks and a run. Like very rarely gets negative, but doesn't put up the sexy numbers that you'd want in a roto and are in a roto league. Doesn't really run as much, doesn't have as much pop, but great eye for the ball and somebody that is a staple in his lineup year in, year out. Carlos Santana, yeah. What Merrifield's another one of Cheesecake's guys that's uh I mean, obviously his stolen bases play really well in in uh points in uh roto leagues, but also one of those guys that doesn't strike out too much either. So he's he's actually a pretty good dual league player that probably his value doesn't change too much in either league there. Marty, what about you? I'm gonna throw some points leagues guys your way from when the, the from the few um leagues that I played in. Number one, let's throw it back to Joey Votto, right? Mm-hmm. Point leagues monster, everyone's favorite guy. And then Anthony Rendon, who I'm actually huge on for both Roto and um, points leagues this Stop, year. Stop, Marty. Stop. <laughs> what do we got? Hit me with it. What's what do we got? No, I'm just tired of like I've lost money on Rendon being MVP. I'm I've lost money <laughs> drafting him high and him just not performing. Like I love Rendon, but it's just like let me ask you this: he's, he's that new drug I can't quit. It it used yeah. to be Barrios. He's he's currently right now his ADP is 107. Overall. God, that's so good, but it's just like he's gonna displace yeah. his hip in May. <sighs> well, we'll see. We'll see. But um, yeah, so those are my points, guys. And then for um, for Roto, easy. Robbie Grossman, I love where he's going. He's one of the few 20, 20 guys, maybe 25, 25 guys. If you're in an OBP league, Grossman's elite. I mean, he truly is. And then uh, Jazz Chisholm. I mean, I just need the up the. I like where his ADP is currently at, and for the up uh, the uptick in steals. No, it's a great list. And yeah, as Joe says, Joey Votto is a points league god. That's a fact. It is. All right. <laughs> John, got to go have you finished this out. Anybody that you want to talk about in mind? Well, yeah, I think, I mean, although the roto analysis is kind of done to death. I like everybody. I like anybody that can give you five categories. For me, I, the biggest thing that I had to correct coming from point leagues was adjusting to batting average. So it's just. Uh, what I could be as quick as rather than point out a person, it's more of a process. That's usually my thing. I don't take any sinkholes anymore. Like I've set a hard parameter of if I don't project you to hit 245, 24, like 240 is not even that great. Although, you know, average in the league wide is slipping a bit. But if I can't project you for 245, you're not welcome on the squad. Sorry. I'll see you. You know, I'll see you next year where you can't join the Roto team if you can't hit for <laughs> average. And here comes this. We're going to do like a whole full circle thing now, right? So here comes the full circle thing. The reason why I'm able to draft those pitchers up front and even get the extra one is because of the flaw of methodology of point league drafters. And now where they generally fail is making a lot of people think they make the adjustment. Oh, okay, it's OBP, Joey Votto. Okay, sure. Like he's a he's an, an outlier. But what you need to be doing, and I'm going to do, I already did it for you guys before it started, was you want to be taking your all of your stat pages and you want to find the difference between OBP and average. We want to find the leaders and the laggers. Okay. Here, here's the leaderboard, guys. So this is the leaderboard of hitters that had, let's say, a 11% boost. You get a, you know, 0.110 boost from average to OBP, which would be pretty significant, right? 240 average to 350 OBP, right? And 11. Okay, so at the very top of the board, the leader last year was Yasmani Grandal, 180 difference. Okay, so a 240 average, which is kind of whack, to a 420 OBP, he's a god, right? Then Juan Soto, even with a three, think about this, Juan Soto with a 313 average was second, 
putting up a 152 disparity to a 465 OBP. Now let's stop right there and spin a quick bowl for the great point that Dave made right again. And we're here. This is what we're doing, people. We're here because we're trying to make money doing this shit. Is you can't chase you can't chase speedsters in the first round. That ain't gonna get the bills paid. You want the best hitters in the game and shameless self-promotion incoming. I actually covered this on my YouTube video on um it's actually the one on the Mayo Media Network. So if you search Mayo Media Net and just all the baseball playlist, it's right there. I, I comped what I thought were the best point league hitters for the best pure hitters. Bryce Harper, Vlad Guerrero, and Juan Soto. And I put them all under the electron microscope. I won't spoil who I had caught on top. Spoiler alert, they're all incredible hitters and probably should be your one, two, three, okay? And the reason is what I'm getting at here is players that not only hit for average, again, it's not that bad in average matters, but the balls in play do. Because of what I said before, the currency are bases, on base, it will tell you how often you get the base, but OPS tells you how many bases you get. So we want to always be using these things in accordance, right? So we're going to look for that difference of OBP to average, but then we want to combine it with OPS. So let's go down the list a little bit more, and I'll show you the difference, right? So, all right, Grandal and Soto have such a big disparity that it's worth it. Somebody like Joey Gallo, right? Now, yes, he was third in the league with a 15-point difference, getting up to a 350. Not that great, right? So he's a player where his 200 average, which sucks, and his strikeouts, which Doc pointed out before, suck, even with the bounce for the OBP, is not good enough. So, right, so these things, these decisions are not being made in a vacuum. You can't just subtract OBP and BA. What we want to do is look for the guys. Now, let's do quickly the players that have those big disparities but also have an OBP that we like. Okay, so Mike Trout had a tremendous disparity with the 1,000 OPS. A lot of the guys don't. Mark Connor, Clint Frazier, DJ Stewart, we're not really interested. Bryce Harper with the 1,000 OPS, yes. Max Muncie, yes, but he's hurt. You got to stay away from him. Otani, Darren Ruff. I mean, this is how you find outliers. Andrew McCutcheon, Yuan Moncada, Michael Conforto, Tommy Pham, Brandon Nimmo, Kyle Schwarber. Now, the reason I mentioned those players is some of those – are the people who end up on that bubble of guys that we could add and stream. So I hate giving advice that does not work. I'm giving you advice that works. You draft starters early and often backfill with the hitters that people missed in a blind spot, knowing that you could stream if you fall short, right? So it's always building. We're building, 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 because the pitchers are not going to win it for us. We're going to have to hit. But you don't need first-round hitters to win a championship. You just need hitters that get on base and have the slug in the OPS. And you know what? You could stream Darren Ruff every time the Giants go to Colorado, and your league mates are going to go, why did little cheese add Ruff? That's so weird. He doesn't even play every day. I don't understand. Why, no, no, no. But because you were sharp, he looked at the matchups. He's going to cores and is in a, a favorable handedness split. And Darren Ruff is going to hang 35 points you know, from the waiver wire that week. And that's how you win at this game. Really always having the microscope out. So Dave, you really had all the good questions. You know, I, you didn't even ask me about the catchers and I've stepped on that rake. Also, I'm telling you, do not look past any of these topics, people, because the one that you say, Oh, I know everything about that. It'd be the one that, you know, screws you in the end. So really awesome job. But I know I, I always tend to go on and on, but right. We we're building this calculus because it's more than just OBP. It's, disparity of OBP to average and in OPS to find the outliers. 
No, John, you're feeding them the knowledge. Again, it's going to be up to them to take what you're saying, all this great information, and then start applying it. But you're giving them a, a good foundation to be able to, to start, hey, I'm a casual player, but I'm looking to be the best in my home league. I'm looking to make that next step to be in, in a more competitive league. And it's doing these small things like that you're talking about to take a step from a casual player to a more competitive player. Again, the best in your home league, right in, in you know, being in, in a bigger pond. So I, I love what you're saying. And again, if, if you're smart people, if you're listening, make sure you take that, even if it's just bit by bit, use every little thing he was saying and start applying that. And you're going to be a better fantasy baseball player. All right, fellas. Time now for the what makes triple play triple play. It is the question of the week sponsored by Monkey Night Fight. Triple play fantasy is an official affiliate to Monkey Night Fight, the fastest growing sports betting site in the United States. New depositors receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 using promo code triple play. So Marty, with the question this week, if there was a baseball version of Space Jam, who would be the main star on the Toon Squad, and then which current or former players would be the monsters? This is actually, yeah, Marty, this is, I think, one of my favorite questions we've had in a long time. This was a very unique one. And Dave, I have to shout out my girlfriend, Tyler. She is the one that came up with this. We were laying in bed. I was like, I got to come up with a game. And she's like, she said the first thing. You're like, somebody else already did that. And then she came up with this one. So shout out to her. Thank you, honey. I love I love the fact that you're in bed with your girlfriend Dude, and you're talking about our fantasy show baseball. Notes. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome to your 30s. They, they, yeah. That's what your 30s are going to look like. Oh, buddy. yeah. <laughs> so this is a good question. Uh, I'm interested to hear where you guys go with this one. Elsie, again, why don't you kick this one off for us? Who is your pick for this? All right, so the, the Michael Jordan is going to be Mike Trout. You got to get a veteran that people know. Uh, the Monstars, <laughs> I'm going with the biggest Monstars of uh, of my of our growing up. All the guys who went and played well into their 40s, like Roger Clemens, Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds. Is there? Are you sensing a theme? I'm going to uh, throw yeah. some uh, Mike Piazza. I think he did. I think he did. <laughs> Ken Caminiti is our third baseman. Sammy Sosa, Brady Anderson, our DH is Rafael Palmero. The Monstars <laughs> are all juiced. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh man, the the, uh, the Juice Squad. They won't be the Monstars. They'll be the, the Juice Squad. I, I like where your head that cheesecake. What about you, Doc? So you know, it's funny is I had almost that exact same answer of Mike Trout, and then a bunch of people that juiced. And I'm glad I changed my answer before I started the show because I did a little research. And everybody in Space Jam was a current player. So I, I have to keep that format. If the MLB is ever going to market Shohei Otani, it's he's going to be the Michael Jordan in this role. Okay. I, I, think, I think you could have a good concept of him being a hitter and pitcher. Like, we figure it out. The Monstars, you got to have Mike Trout, you know, one of the most recognizable names. you got to have Bryce Harper, too. Mm -hmm. uh, you got to have Jacob deGrom, and then you got to have Fernando Tatis. I feel like it's a good mix of personality in there. You know, obviously people that are near the top of their position um, and they're all current players. I like it. I, I, I Again, the current player point is, is interesting because you're right. They were current players at the time. But no, again, neither answer is, is a bad one. I like both. Marty, again, this was your question. I'm interested to hear who your picks are. Yeah. And uh, speaking on uh, Doc's point, so all of mine are from the 90s. So at the current time when Space Jam was made, they were current players. Mm, so okay. there we go. Um, but, uh, so my, uh, Michael Jordan is the Ken Griffey Jr. Gotta make oh, the kid. I yes. love that. I yes. love that. Oh my yes, God. The kid. 
the, the, the million dollar smile, the beautiful okay. swing, everything he was able to do in the nineties. He was just a superhero to all of us. So definitely would love to go with him as the main guy. And then, um, my, my first uh, monster is Albert Bell. I can't think of a man who was scarier, more intimidating, powerful, you know, he, he punched camera guys just to do it. Like that was, he was crazy. So Albert Bell, uh, number two is uh, the big hurt, Frank Thomas, mm-hmm. imposing figure, uh, Barry Bonds for the obvious reasons. I would love to see Randy Johnson. Could you imagine how tall he would be as a monster? Yeah, it would be he's, he's the Sean Bradley character. <laughs> yes, exactly. Marty, I think you, I think you nailed this question. And the last one is Pedro Martinez. He's a bad boy. Marty, I think that's that's as perfect an answer as as you can give. <laughs> that is, I mean, you're right. Like in the '90s too, when it came out, like that's that's a good group of monsters. And then Ken Griffey, like the backwards hat. I, yep. it's, uh, I, I yep. love it. I love it. John, what about you? Do you got one? Man, that one was so good. You know what the only person we're missing was? Was Mo Vaughn. Would have fit right Ooh, in there. Yeah, yeah Mo, you know, doing it's the whole just, elbow thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would have fit right in. <laughs> I, it's funny. I guess we were a lot of us were lockstep with, yeah, Trout to me kind of fit that, the the main role. You know, it's the, the mass appeal. There's a bit of a track record there. MLB does not know how to market people, but, you know, he's kind of the face right now, right? That was probably like a Jeter type of role. You know, yeah, and I'm a Yankee guy. He was never really, I was never a big Jeter guy. He was never my guy. I'm a, I'm a Paul O'Neill guy, if you can't tell. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a Paul O'Neill guy. I'm not a Derek Jeter guy. I like, you know, Derek Jeter's the man, but uh, whatever. For me, the way I saw it was Trout was my, was my star. And then for me, it was all the swag. It was all the swag. I, I couldn't get away from it's Vlad, it's Tatis, it's Acuna and Bryce Harper. It's, it's, I just wanted the most, the most G'd up, much oozing machismo. I was seeing animated gold chains swinging. I don't know. That's what I was thinking. Is was just like I love was that. like because I was thinking. Yeah, I was thinking of the monsters. Like after they had become the monsters, and they, you know they're they're like I was thinking. Of, you know the Muggsy Bogues. I thought like yeah yeah yeah. Come on, we're gonna get them. You know they had they had attitude, man. They had attitude. So I was thinking of. I think it's just me desperately wanting Major League Baseball to promote the players I love so much. You know what I mean? Like I love, like man, Soto. I don't even know if Soto fits because he's so like he's nice. Quiet. He's too he's too cool to be that. Yeah. You know, maybe Soto would be the type that could play the main role in a few years, yeah. right? With a bit more with a yeah. bit more recognition and a bit more like maybe a like not say swag, but you know what I mean? A bit more spotlight. He could fit that main role because man, I love these guys. Like. Uh, and and we just can't put them to the front. Like MLB just doesn't know what they're doing. It's really terrible. Yeah. So I just want all my favorite players. It's so man, Soto, Acuna, dude, Tatis, Flag Jr. Like, oh my God, how is this sport not thriving with young people? These yeah. guys are G'd up out of their minds. They're so cool. These guys are young. They're cool. They're relatable. I mean, they're funny and like having a good time, all the big smiles. And no, you would think like baseball's boring. It's like we're watching a different sport, you know. I love the idea of getting them all in there to market them. And again, even if they're not like evil, you could turn the, the situation to where you're like, hey, they just they're swaggy and like right, right. Just, yeah, like I, I, didn't I like take that. it as evil, right? Maybe I didn't I didn't read it right. I didn't take it as evil. <laughs> I just took it as like they'd be my favorite bad guys because they they're so cool, man. I love that. I love that. Great answers all around from you guys. I think there's nothing I could add to what you guys said because you guys I think covered it from every single angle. So on that note, we'll go to the last segment of the night. It is the game of the week. Marty Tallman is hosting the game. I'm of the excited. Week. What do we got on 
I'm super excited. Um, and it's, I'm going to rekindle the, the last game I brought back uh, or I brought on to the show uh, because, number one, Doc missed it, so he didn't get to do it. So I was mm-hmm. bummed out about that. And I think it's something John's going to love. So, John, this is something we've all played before, but let me know if you need uh, – I'm going to go through the rules regardless. So for this week's game, I'm going to look – we're going to look at current and retired MLB players who have other talents, hobbies – or careers during or after they are done playing baseball. Okay. So I'm going to say that again. We're looking at current and retired MLB players who have other talents, hobbies, or careers either while they were playing baseball or after they retired. Okay. Um, I'm going to start off with a, a refresher. This is the one that I did last time because I think it's, it's pretty, pretty simple, but it gives you a good idea of the questions. So uh, this current Arizona diamondback pitcher, just recently competed in rodeos, roping cattle under a fake name, Mason Saunders. So, John, who is we, this pitcher? I, we know this one. It's Madison Bumgarner. Boom. So that's those are the questions. Okay. Exactly. Okay. All right. Gotcha. So I'm going to hop into the, the first question of the evening. All right. And here it goes. This former Red Sox starting pitcher won a World Series with the club in 2004 and often had cornrows as his main haircut. Okay. This guy also loves music, and in 2005, he released an album called Covering the Bases. It included a spoken word poem by Stephen King and an appearance by then Red Sox GM Theo Epstein, who played the guitar. And although it was cover songs, this guy did a great job singing the Goo Goo Dolls. So who is the starting pitcher, this former starting pitcher on the Boston Red Sox? It's known cornball Bronson Arroyo. Let's we'll start with John. I will say. Oh, I didn't know I was on my turn. Oh, man. I will say before we do that, uh, Joe, throw in Bryce's MJ, Otani Judge, Scherzer, Kimbrell, Javi Baez. I love Judge. Cleo, 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 right, he, we don't have either. to change him into a monster. He's already there. Oh, AJ Prasinski <laughs> as the catcher for the Monstars. Dynamite. Dynamite. That good. is a fantastic pick, Joe. No fantastic. one's hated him That was That's great. Weird. Can can we uh can we just all say it's Bronson Arroyo? We had him on our podcast. We talked oh, about the cornrows and the music. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. good you started out. All right, everyone gets one. You guys keep okay. track of your score though. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Number two, this current major league baseball pitcher was born in Korea and currently plays for the Blue Jays. He's also best friends with the K-pop group BTS, and they have even produced music and commercials together. Who is this current Toronto Blue Jay? Starting with you, David. I think it's Hinjin Ryu. Art? I'm going to echo Ryu. Doc? It's got to be Ryu. And John? Yeah, Ryu. Oh, I wish you didn't give the team name because that really kind of gave it away. That was a- Well, here's the thing. Last time I didn't do team name, and each one of these guys looked at me like I, you know, asked them some kind of like. No, no, it's because I wasn't here. It's because I wasn't here. I would have gotten it. Right. Eric, right. He's a known. Doc is a big BTS fan. Known BTS. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. So everyone's got two. All right. Number three, this current White Sox player. Um, just currently produced a rap album last year with one of the songs being called. Disaster personnel. Who is this current White Sox player? Starting with you, Cheesecake. Um, you and Mancada. Doc. I'm going Mancada as well. 
MLB moving average. Yeah, I, I, that's what I thought it was to begin with. I wouldn't. I would have liked to get creative, but I think I think that's who it is. I'm going Moncada. Yoan Moncada now is the correct answer. Yo, Moncada now. Now tell me, <laughs> did you guys do some studying before this? Because last time, no, you guys I mean, maybe that's not, no, uh, I, I, I saw. Take away the I, teams now. I, I saw one of the, the cover photos on that album. It's like him in a driveway with a red Lamborghini and he's just wearing a You bunch bought of it on iTunes. iTunes. I got it, dude. It's cool. Yeah. Oh I, try to, I try to support. Yeah. Right, right, right. He's struggling. Struggling artist. All right. All right. Well, number four. That's what we, I'm going to take a, a couple things to make this maybe a little bit more difficult. But this now retired Philadelphia Philly who did win a World Series. So World Series champion Philadelphia Philly. Uh, created his own entertainment group and label called the Bay Slugger when he was playing. And he also produced a remix of Take Me Out to the Ball Game with one of his former teammates. Who is this former Philadelphia Philly? I think, Doc, you're off. Did you, did you, say, did you give his position or you just said he's World Series winner? That's actually Picture. the thing. I, I left that out purposely. Okay. okay. Good. So, um, good. I'm going to go Shane Victorino. John. How about J Roll? How about Jimmy Rollins? Dave. Jimmy Dean. Rollins or like I thought like Ryan Howard potentially too could have been it, but I don't know if he's like a rat. Like I don't want to copy anybody's answers. I'll just I'll say Ryan Howard to be different. Cheesecake. See the 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 name the Bay Slugger really <laughs> it, it I'm thinking of sluggers. From that championship team, and it's Ryan Howard. It's Ryan Howard. So I'm going with Ryan Howard. That's funny, is it? Ryan Howard was the teammate who teamed up with Mr. Jimmy Rollins to oh. produce the "Take Me Out to the Ball Game." Oh man, J Roll. Oh, that's great. Right. Yes. So, what are the uh, the current scores? I got one more for you guys. Johnny's up by one. I'm up one. All right. All right so we can In the last leg. All right. So everybody, here it is. <laughs> this retired Seattle Mariner. In the 1990s, starting a rap song with Kid Sensation. And the song actually began with the broadcast of his first at bat. Who is this former Seattle Mariner? I think we're starting with John again. Or no, right? Yeah, I think it's John. Yeah. yeah. You you got me. I have I have no I have no clue. Oh man, former Seattle and rapper. Gosh. Is it from the nineties? He well, was, have, it was from the nineties. You don't remember man, Kinson, got, No one remembers Kid Sensation. No, I'm lost. I have nothing. I have like Jay Buner. Like I can't think of any. I can't even think yeah. of any of these. If guys. I could, I would pay money to say to see him rap. Could you? Yeah, me too. Well, I don't <laughs> think it's, not, it's not Edgar or Tino. All right, so I'm out. I don't know this one. I got to fold on this one. I don't know. All right, Dave. Who do you got? Um, I'll say. Adrian Beltre was he? Oh, that's not a bad guess. I'll that's say not him. A, it's a good guess. It's a good guess. Adrian Beltre. Okay. LC. Kid Sensation. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it starts off, the song actually starts off with, and now up to bat, this Seattle Mariner. Like, it's pretty, it's pretty sick. So I'm going to go with Griffey. That was my answer. That's so obvious. I can't. That was my answer. Too obvious. It's the kid, though. Oh, it can't be. That's too obvious. 
It's the kid oh and David. Adrian Beltre didn't play for the Mariners in the 90s. I thought he was like 99, potentially. He started no. with the Dodgers and then signed with the Mariners. Yeah, gosh, shows yeah. how bad. If it's Brett Boone, and I'm locking my answer in as Griffey, <laughs> but if, it, if he threw us a curveball and it's Brett Boone, I'm going to laugh. I think it's going to be A-Rod, but I guess Griffey. I think it's going to be A-Rod. I'm oh, I hope it's not A-Rod. Man, that just shows you how amazing the 90s were for the Mariners with all these amazing names. But it was as simple <laughs> as you thought it would be. It was the kid. Ken oh, I, oh, I missed that one. All right. So, wait, we got a three way tie. Is there a tiebreaker? We just, everybody wins but David, because I'm cool with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, everyone wins but David. <laughs> Yay! Oh, Yay! David sucks. David sucks. Oh, that's, that's awful. I just had my soundboard hook. I could just boo that. Oh, man. Well, on that note, Johnny Stud, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. It's always a ton of fun with you, my friend. Yo, please plug everything that you're doing. Oh, man. That was just too much fun. I hate leaving, man. I really do. I hate leaving. Um, You know, congratulations, you guys, on all you're doing, how far you've come. I mean, it's, it's seemingly one big guest after another, and it's from one sport to the next. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I'm wrapping up some football gambling right before that window closes and yeah i'm sucking up all the triple play goodness i can get you guys are really doing it man the energy the chemistry you know i love it man that's why i enjoy being here so much you know my i I really cherish my time but i really enjoy spending it with you i really do i love you here man and one of the one of the better parts of this industry has been getting to become friends with with some really cool people you know it really has um yeah i'm i'm at mlb moving averages mlb moving avg on a bluebird twitter machine and then everything cork stats i finally got my rss transfer so the cork stats podcast is back up and running on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, all that stuff. And I hate tooting my own horn, but I know I'm a good player and I try and provide content that I need that would be useful to me. I'm actually kind of selfish in it. But so if you thought what I dropped was good, then you might like the podcast because I'm asking smarter people than me the questions I want to know. And I put on, man, we put on a clinic the past month, the last month. I had Zimmerman in the chair, Todd Zola in the chair. I did the top 500 hitting prospects with Chris Welsh. It was like, I was really all over this stuff. And uh, yeah, Zola, Zola, like me and Zola was really awesome. It really came out good. And uh, then the Cork Stats YouTube channel. I, I've been getting into some video work, everyone, where they're kind of short. They're only 10 to 15 minutes. But I really feel like once I put these things out, it's like the comprehensive piece on those things. Like I, I, I was scratching my chin and tearing my hair out, wondering about Robbie Ray. And I did like a 16 minute detailed breakdown of the, it's like the entire arsenal and the, the movement profile vertical break. I mean, it's every single thing that you could think of, but I now have an avenue to put this stuff out there. So check out the Cork Stats channel. You can type in Mayo Media. Type in Mayo Media Network and you'll find his stuff. I know that by heart. Yeah, Luis Robert to Cedric Mullins at the back end of the first round. Uh, just a Rosarena to Tyler O'Neill. So like, whenever whenever I come up with these questions myself, I answer them, and I've been putting them out for people. So uh, it's tough to get YouTube traction. Something, again, congratulations to you guys. You have shown the ability 
to cross platforms, something that I've learned firsthand is extremely difficult. I mean, dude, it is so difficult. I am putting my love, the blood, the sweat, and the tears into these videos. And sometimes you see only 25 people watched it, and it's like, wow, that sucks. But the library is up, and hopefully once people swap over from that other sport, they'll be picking up all the good stuff I'm putting down. So thank you guys for platforming me. I'm on my own now, so it helps to get amplification. Look, check out the podcast, the videos, the Twitter handles, elite stack combos. I'm just, I'm God, I'm going nuts right now. You know, that's how I do guys. So thank you so much. <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> right, right. Exactly, family, exactly. Your family on this show, man. And we, we want to see you keep succeeding. Like we know you always do, whether you're with, you know, so, you know, the other network you were with or by yourself, like you're, you're going to crush it. No, it's okay. You well. can say, I, yeah, I, you know what? You're, you're too nice, man. These things happen. We can't always stay with everybody always, right? You, we've, I'm have, I'm married and I had other girlfriends beforehand. And I, if I saw them, I don't hate them. I like but that. I have nothing I like but love. You know, I have, I have massive amounts of love and respect for all the guys FTN. I have, I, mm-hmm. listen, we're all really cool. I still speak to all of them. It just, sometimes it doesn't work. I may end up there again later on because I don't burn bridges. So people really, a lot of learning going on here you know i i don't burn I, all good people all good things the rising tide raises all ships you know and yeah it, it, there is a difference be, being with a, a group but sometimes you notice too there are downsides that i'm going through now you notice that a lot of your interaction and it comes from that kind of bubble and then when you're outside of that bubble it gets quiet really fast so, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's just a testament to people. You always got to be working. And if even if you find yourself in a clique or a company, always be thinking about what happens if you're not there. Is your product still viable? Are you still entertaining and attractive and compelling? You know, those are the kind of things. So, no, dude, you, you guys are all really too kind. It's all good. We're, you know, I, I'm always going to land on my feet, man. You know what I'm saying? I love it. Yeah. yeah again, right. make sure you follow him. If you're not already and all the great stuff that he's putting out there. Again, it's if you're trying to become a, fan, a better fantasy baseball player, that's where you need to go. But until next week, we're going to have, of course, more great off-season content with another guest on the show. It's going to be another fun episode. But until then, everyone stay safe, happy drafting, and we're going to make like a bread truck, and we're going to haul these buns. Catch you guys in the next one. <laughs>